you were, the time, the date, the place where you had that first encounter with the living God, that you acknowledged that you were a sinner that needed a Savior, I remember. That's called our testimony, and everyone has one. And uh, I love the song, uh, Tell the Good News, because that's what we're supposed to do. Testimonies can change people's lives. So I know you have friends, family, people that you work with. They need to hear your story. And today, I am so blessed to be able to share my story. I remember the date. It was October the 15th, 1987. Now, my story started a little before that actually quite some time before that. When I was in my early 30s, I had everything, everything the world says that you need to be happy. I had a husband, a beautiful home, nice cars, I owned my own business, I traveled, but even though I had everything, it just wasn't enough. So I set out on a search to find out what was missing. Now, I started with self-help books, and from there I moved on to New Age books, and I began reading uh, all sorts of weird things. I began attending seminars. And just so you know, even though this was a while back, there are still things like that going on in the world today. Don't be listening to Oprah and Prince Harry. I'm telling you, there is a better way. But... Um, it was a strange thing about these seminars. I heard about one in particular. It was very popular at the time. They guaranteed if you spent this ridiculous amount of money and attended this grueling 60-hour course, that at the end of that seminar, they would share with you the secret to life and happiness. Well, I had the time. I had the money. But the thing that inspired me most to do this seminar is that there were people with more money, more education, and more success than I had. And they were flocking to this seminar. So just as they promised on the final evening, this gentleman stood before a, a crowd of about a thousand people. Now that's a pretty good church size. As he prepared to share with us the secret to life and happiness. And this is what he said. This is it. This is all there is. There's no hope and there's no help. And if you're missing some happiness in your life, then you need to go out in the world and find it because it's not going to show up on your doorstep. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was really irritated that. It had cost a lot of money and taken my time, and it was not what I wanted to hear. I needed to hear an answer. But... A funny thing happened over the next weeks and months as I took in all that I had heard at that seminar, it actually began to make sense to me. And then I knew what I had to do. Armed with my newfound philosophy, I went to my husband of 12 years and I just casually ended our marriage. I gave very little thought to the pain that it would bring to him or to our three children because life was about me, no matter what the cost. 
Now, it wasn't long after I made that decision that things really did begin to look up. I was happier than I'd been in a long time. I was meeting new people, going new places, experiencing new things. And part of that experience was I met this man, and he was so exciting, so interesting, so successful, so handsome. He literally swept me off my feet. Of course, his biggest attribute was that he was crazy about me. And since life was about me, it was really a good fit. And so we dated for a while, and a couple of years afterwards, we decided to get married. And we got married in this lovely ceremony in front of family and friends, December 20th. That's right before Christmas. Beautiful ceremony. And it was a Friday evening. On Monday, my new husband didn't come home. He decided early on that married life was not for him. He called me that day and said he'd made a mistake and it was best that we went ahead and end the marriage because marriage was just not for him. Well, through a lot of tears, I begged and pleaded, please, I have three children. It's December 23rd, you can't leave. And so I convinced him to stay. But that set in, pat uh, in motion this pattern that would continue for 10 years and take a huge emotional toll on me and my kids. Now, I had this friend. She was my very best friend. She and I had gone to Catholic school together, and we knew about God, but we didn't know God. But somewhere in her time span, she had had this born-again experience. And even though I wanted nothing to do with that, she was my best friend, and I could confide in her what was going on in my marriage. And she would always end the conversations with the words, let's pray, except she was the one doing the praying. And it was powerful prayer. It wasn't like anything I'd ever heard. I knew that when she prayed, God was listening. Now, one night, I was alone in my kitchen, my husband was gone again, and uh, his leavings were always about drinking and carousing and being with other women. It was a very, very difficult time, and I was feeling so miserable. And then I remembered what that man at that seminar had said, that there was no help and no hope. And then I remembered the prayers of my friend. And I just dropped to my knees right in my kitchen. And I cried out, Oh God, if you're real, if you're the kind of God that my friend says you are, would you be willing to listen to me the way you listen to her? Because I've made a mess of my life and I need you to show me how to live. And I laid there for the longest time. I actually thought God might come down and rescue me but he didn't. Now, strangely enough, three days later in that same kitchen, I got a call from my brother. Now, for anyone here that's a lot younger, we didn't have cell phones back in those days. You actually answered your phone, and it was my brother, and he lived in a different state. And we didn't waste a lot of money on long-distance calls, but he happened to be in Atlanta on business, and he called just to check in to see how I was doing. Now, just another strange coincidence. 
My brother, just like my friend who had prayed with me, had also had some weird born-again experience years earlier, which I had not wanted to listen to. So I shared with him what had happened just a few nights earlier in my kitchen. And when I did, he asked me a question that would change my life forever. Do you have a Bible? He showed up a short time later with a green hardcover Gideon Bible tucked under his arm. He led me to the kitchen table. He opened the Bible up to Luke chapter 15 and began reading the most incredible story I'd ever heard, the story of the prodigal son. And as the tears flowed down, I knew that story was about me. My brother was so precious that night, he took me to every New Testament scripture to assure me of my salvation and God's love for me. I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it. I had truly had an encounter with the living God. Now, when he got ready to leave, the Bible was still on the kitchen table, and I said, here, don't, don't forget your Bible. And he said, uh, I brought that from the hotel. Well, I didn't want to start my new Christian life off as a thief. And he said, no, honey, he said, the Gideons left it here. And I had absolutely no idea what a Gideon was. But I trusted my brother, and I kept the Bible. And now I want to share with you for just a few minutes what I discovered that night in God's Word. I went to the Bible, I opened it up to the only thing I knew, Luke 15, and I started reading. I could not believe the words in that book. I just, it was amazing. So I'm reading, I get to Luke 18, and Jesus tells this story, and he says, I love Jesus. He's so smart, just like I was sharing with Pastor Adam. He's just so smart. He's, he tells us why he's telling the story. You don't have to try and figure it out. But Jesus said, I'm telling this story so that you will learn to pray and not give up, that you will pray and not lose hope. He said at the end of the story that that's the reason, that's the faith that he wants to see when he returns that we're just like the persistent widow. So if there's anyone here today praying for something, don't give up, don't lose hope. God is always listening. Now I kept reading the same chapter, Luke 18. I come to this incredible story about this blind man. He's hanging around town, being blind like he's been for his whole life. He hears that Jesus is coming through town. And apparently he's heard some awesome things about Jesus. And so he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, all of Jesus' little groupies, the disciples, all of us good friends, they're like, you don't have time for him. We've got business. But the blind man is persistent, just like the persistent widow. And he cries out again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus said, Bring that man to me. And then he posed this question to the blind man. What do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine the creator of the universe asking what he can do for us? Well, the blind man called out that he wanted his sight restored. 
And I cried out in my kitchen that night, Lord, I want my marriage restored. Now, as I said, I'd like to say it was nice and easy. It was not. There were very many times that I wanted to give up, but I was always drawn back to God's word and his way of doing things. I remember sitting there that night as I continued to just read the Bible and just see God come alive in my life that I had cried out to him just three nights before in that kitchen for help. And then there I am just holding the evidence of his help right in my hand. So, very long story short, it only took 10 years for God to change my husband's heart from a stony heart to that heart of flesh, a heart that loves the Lord. It did take time to restore those relationships with our kids. But God is so good. He's so faithful. And you know, God does not waste our sorrows. All that time that it took, God was preparing my heart. God was drawing me closer to him so that I could be the kind of wife that I was supposed to be. So uh, just want to encourage you all, don't give up praying. Don't forget to tell the good news. Don't forget to share your story. It can really make a difference in someone else's life. It made a difference in my life. And so now my husband is going to come up just to let you know that God has such a sense of humor after he restored our marriage. Uh, God actually used us. We counseled with couples for many years that had troubled marriages. And then as an added bonus, uh, the Lord brought my husband into the Gideon ministry. And he has been a Gideon now for 21 years, 22 years. So anyway, this is my handsome, old, successful, loving, entertaining husband. Step up like this where you already knew too many things about him, right? That little green Bible that her brother brought from that hotel room. Think about this. Five dollars. Five dollars. Put this Bible in that hotel room. It was actually <clears throat> an old country church that her brother was driving down the road once. Remember, she mentioned that her brother... I don't know if she said it exactly, but that he had this born-again experience, too. But he was driving down the road, and he saw this sign, if you die tonight, where are you going to go? And he kept on driving, and it, it started to really pound away at him. He turned around and went back. And he thought, I'm not so sure. So he goes to the church, and it happened the church was empty, but the pastor was there. And he sat down, and he, he led him to the Lord. And uh, it's really amazing, too, when she talks about the fact that we were living in Atlanta. Her brother was visiting Atlanta on business. Do you know this? He had never been there before on business, and he hadn't been there since. Do you think there was a divine appointment for him to be there to find this Bible that somebody like you donated $5 for a Gideon like me to place it in that hotel? Uh, it's kind of interesting, too. Uh, Pastor mentioned COVID and some issues that have happened over the last year. We've been through quite an experience. And you had someone here just before the COVID breakout. Well, you know, we have had very few churches, if any, for almost a year that have had the doors open for us to come share. The same for hotels. 
And we just started going to the hotels, you know, we're t Highway 280, you know, down the road toward Birmingham, bunch of hotels all along there. Well, we have now got uh, 10 of them that have opened the doors for us to show up and place Bibles. So we've gone the last two weeks, uh, a couple of days each week, in placing the Bibles. And one thing that we do that's really a blessing is we're not only taking Bibles and putting them in the rooms. If the Bible is missing, praise God, it probably went somewhere like this one did to go to Cheryl. Think about that. We're, we're actually happy to see one got stolen, as Cheryl said. Uh, it's just gone. And I'll tell you a brief story about that that my uncle shared with me many years ago. But um, we also get to talk with the help. And uh, you'd just be amazed. And we have these New Testaments that we're ready to give to them, and we can share the word with them. And we were in a hotel right down near McDonald's across from Chick-fil-A on 280 going toward, uh, toward Birmingham. We're going around room to room, and there's this lady who was standing at the door, and she was weeping. And I saw it, and two of us, or three of us together, went over to her, and we wanted to know what the problem was. And she said, well, I'm living in this room. I don't even have a home right now. I'm paying for my room by, by doing housekeeping, and then I have a job at that McDonald's down the street part-time. But I'm not united with my children. And we stopped, and we prayed with her, shared with her. We gave her a New Testament, and then we decided, well, let's just give her a full Bible, too. And we were showing her scripture and showing her about things and about the worry and about verses she could go to. But we got information about her, and we, when I went back to church, or when I went home, I contacted our church the next day, and we have a ministry that reaches out to people in the community like this. And, and it was a ladies' ministry. And, you know, you don't want a group of men hanging out with this lady. We prayed with her, but we wanted to go get somebody who could really get genuinely close to her. And here, as a result of placing Bibles in a hotel, she gets connected with this ministry. They help her find a job. They help her get an apartment. Through other ministries, they find furnishings for her and she was reunited with her teenage children. That happened from a Bible placement process in a hotel. You just never know. And the thing about us Gideons, we don't just place Bibles. We are sharing testimonies. We are sharing God's word with other people and we're living an example for Jesus Christ in everywhere we go. My uncle, who has been a Gideon well, he's passed away now, but he was a Gideon for 64 years before he died. And uh, he told, I used to be going to a church like this. I'd be driving down the road and I'd call him and say, I'm, uh, he would know when he got a call at 7 in the morning or whatever on a Sunday that, uh-oh, must be Thomas headed to a church somewhere. And he would share a new testimony with me every time. And one of them, he was down, had moved to Florida, he and my, grand, my aunt, and they were in South Florida, and he was placing Bibles along A1A and these motels that are all along there. And he goes to one, one time and the, uh, the manager uh, of the housekeeping said, the general manager wants to meet with you, Mr. Govertson. And he thought, uh-oh, what is this? And he goes to the office and the fellow's sitting there and he said, I've got something to share with you. And he thought, is he gonna tell me that we can't come to this hotel anymore? It turned out, he said, here's a note that was left in the room one of the rooms, and it was a note written by someone who said he had come to that hotel to take his life. And he reached into the drawer and he found one of these and started reading it. So he wrote this note to the Gideons, and along with it, he wrote a check 
he wrote a check for more than one Bible. He wrote a $10 check. But it was, so my uncle gets a check and a note. And he might have been the one that placed that Bible because he'd been to that hotel many times. We don't know. That's something that we as Gideons often say to each other. We have no idea what's happened to the Bibles that we've either handed out or placed. Uh, another area that we give out Bibles, and I love a few of these little testimonies. One is, Cheryl and I, we've traveled a lot over the years. And uh, we've been blessed to have the time and, and be able to go places and see things. But one place we've never been is China. But I want you to know that China has come to me more than once. The first time, I was at University of Georgia distributing Bibles and we're handing out New Testaments. I'm, I'm assigned to a spot. We, had, we would do about 11 or 12,000 Bibles in a day at one of these distributions. And I'm at a bus stop. And I mean, students are coming through one after another. We're giving out Bibles, talking to them. And every now and then, you get someone who's really curious. And this little girl, little Chinese girl, about this tall, comes up. And I'm giving her this. And she says, what is this? And I told her it was a Bible. And I showed her a little bit about it and started talking to her about it. And then what I did is in the front of the, of the Bibles, you probably don't know this, but there's John 3:16 in 36 languages, and one of them is Chinese. So I opened to that, and I watched her read as they, you know, she's going down and reading. And she turns to me and says, can you tell me about this love? What an opportunity. So I began to share some about God's love, but students are still coming and going, and I would go back and I was handing out, handing out Bibles and, and uh, uh, she was now going on her own and she's reading and this is so cute. She calls me over and she says, what does rejoice mean? And there were these two girls that were watching and they came over. We're right behind the scoreboard of Sanford Stadium, if you've ever heard of that. You know, that's at University of Georgia. So they come over and they said, we can tell you what rejoice means. Do you know that in there when there's a a touchdown scored and everybody goes, hey, that's rejoice, okay? So this little Chinese girl now knows what rejoice means. And she had continued to read. Her bus had come twice and she said, I'll get the next one. I didn't mention this, it was raining. I had an umbrella with me. To, we're under a little shelter at the bus stop. And she's going to her bus and I walk over the umbrella and I get her to the, to the bus and I said, would you promise me something? And she said, what's that? I said, would you promise me that you will read this later tonight when you have time? And she clutched it and she said, I will study it. I got to China. Another way, I was at Mount Laurel and we were doing distributions at, and these orange Bibles, what we do at a, at a distribution like this, just at a, a fair that they have once or twice a year. And <clears throat> again, here I am, handing out Bibles. A little Chinese girl comes up to me. And she said, what are those? I said, Bibles. And she said, what's that? Isn't that amazing? It's a Bible. She didn't know what that was. So it took her into the tent, and there's a group of Bibles there, and I get one. I'm showing her some things about it, explaining the help section, and telling her about God's love. And she said, I said, uh, where do you live? She said, oh, we're just visiting America. Think about this. She said, we're just here for 14 days. I'm here with some of my friends. And I just, we just happened to come here because we saw some people here. So she, she said, can I have this? And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, can I have seven so I can have them for my friends? Let me tell you, that little girl walked off with seven orange Bibles. 
for about the cost of a cup of coffee, one of these could be purchased. Think about that. Those little kids that left, one thing I would like to do when, when youngsters are here, you know, just loose change. Or the penny lady could tell you a lot of stories about what a penny can do, right? But that Bible, about a buck and a quarter, think of what it could do. And those seven Bibles went to China. We can't go to China yet. We are in China, but not as open as we are in some other countries. Another place that we don't get to go anymore in Shelby County is schools. Isn't that amazing? When Cheryl and I moved here from Georgia just about eight years ago, um, we were in a, a camp in the country. We had two counties to make up one Gideon camp. And uh, in our two counties, we had nine schools that we were distributing Bibles in. And one day, we're getting ready for a distribution, and uh, the elementary school uh, or principal called me and said, and she and I knew each other because we served on a board together, a ministry board. And she said, Thomas, I hate to tell you this, but you can't distribute Bibles here this year because someone complained. One person complained, and the school administration decided you can't do it. She said, but let me tell you what I've done. Right next to her, the elementary school is the middle school. And she said, I called Zedric Barbara. I'll never forget the name. And Zedric is the principal over there. And he said, you can come to his school and distribute this year. Well, we were going to go to the fifth graders at the elementary school. So we go now to the middle school. And there's sixth, seventh, and eighth grade there. Guess what happened? We got to give Bibles to all those three <laughs> classes. And Zedric Barbara came with a microphone and as the kids were coming in to get their lunch, we're, we had tables set up. He would announce what we were, what we're doing. And I'll never forget, he said, what do you say when someone gives you something for free? And we had kids one after another, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And hardly any would refuse. Isn't that neat how you think one door closed, another opened? But the doors are still closed in Shelby County. And that's something I would ask you to do. Uh, you know, we ask multiple things as Gideons for you to do for us. One is pray for us as Gideons and pray for the ministry and where we're trying to go and pray that doors will remain open. Uh, one of the hotels that we went to last, well, week before last, this was interesting. I arrived and a little early and I called the, our, the guy who was in charge of the deal and he said, Thomas, I just got a call. Oh, I, I'm in here, and I just got told that we can't distribute here. They had gotten a call from corporate telling them the week before we were told, okay, come distribute Bibles. So we show up, and corporate said, no, you can't. That's happening all around the country. Not everywhere, but some hotels are saying no more. So that's one thing I would want you to pray for and pray that uh, those doors would be open. One thing neat about schools we have this thing called Lifebook. Uh, I, I see you nodding. So, Adam, I know you're, you're aware of this. I always like to joke that I can buy seven of these for $20 as a Gideon. You as a church can get 2,000 of them for free. Uh, all you have to do is ask for them. Uh, and one is the book of John, and one is the book of Mark. And it's really neat. It's got the book of... It's, I, I like to tell you this part. In the front, there's the first seven pages is the Old Testament you talk about the Cliff's Notes, it's really fast. You know, got some of the big things that happened in the, in the Old Testament. And then it's got the Book of John or the Book of Mark. And the little margin notes written by students that are making comments about what they're reading. And this is designed for a student 
to take to their school and give them as a gift to other students. So the Gideons get to distribute in Shelby County from student to student, at least the book of Mark or the book of John. Uh, one of the first churches I went to, um, Christ Church in uh, Christ Church United Methodist, uh, they, I met with them and they ordered 1,100 of them, went to five schools and distributed all of them. Isn't that cool? And these two are paid for through donations that come from churches like this. And everything that we do is done because of churches like yours that give support uh, to the ministry. I also like to share this, that we as Gideons have what's called the Faith Fund. And we have four, uh, we'll call it, drives a year, four times a year that we meet and share and challenge each other and we give to the ministry. And the, the money comes from really three different sources. One of them is churches. Another one is Gideon's giving. And then there's this, the Gideon cards. And there's a card rack here. You know what happens when you take one of these cards and just write a card to somebody in recognition of something they did or you're just telling them, I'm thinking of you or I'm praying for you or someone who passed away and it's a, a life well-lived card or an, a memory card, three things are gonna happen. When you fill out the card, you'll be blessed for doing it. It's just, have you ever done that? I'll tell you a quick story about that too, but then another thing happens is the person that receives it is gonna be blessed because of what you did to think of them. Think of how, how, what happens when you receive a card. And then the other thing that happens is you might have given a Bible or more by a donation that you did when you did the card. So wherever that Bible goes is a, yet another blessing. I, I like to write cards on occasion to the grandkids and I've sent cards to the three grandkids that live in Chelsea. And one of my grandsons, <clears throat> this just a couple of years ago, he said, Papa T. I said, yeah, he said, you had a typo in that card. <laughs> I mean, I wrote it, but he called it a typo. Kids don't even think about writing anything anymore. It's all done on a keyboard or with their thumbs on an iPhone. But uh, think about that. But a little thing like a card can mean so much. And we, through COVID, this is an interesting fact, we actually have more revenue coming through cards than we do through some of the other methods. Isn't that neat? The card side has gone up. Going to churches has really dropped. And I wanna thank you, Pastor Adam, for having us here today. Um, you know, Often when I start, I like to start at John 1.1. You know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Think about that. The Word continues. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to soul and spirit. And in the case of my wife, she had a friend witnessing to her and she was on her knees and came to Christ. And then the word came to her. And I used to call her a Bible thumper. I'd come home and she would be in this thing constantly. I mean, she was in the word, in the word. Talk about bookstores. She went to a Bible bookstore and wanted help in selecting a Bible. And she was, had it explained to her the different translations and, and uh, Bibles with various help sections. And she got a study Bible. You should see that Bible. It is worn slap out. And she's still in it every day. And our daughter, we have two sons and a daughter. Our daughter said, Mom, when you die, I want your Bible. It's a very important tool for us. And it's not only 
for people that come to Christ for the first time that these Bibles are placed, there are many times that someone was, we'll use that good term, backsliding, and you get into the word. Uh, I had a pastor once that asked if she could share, uh, if, if he could share a testimony, his own testimony about the Bible, about the Gideon Bible. I said, well, sure, it's your church. <laughs> and what it was is he was traveling over in Europe and he was, had flights were canceled and things were changed and was, was rushed into a room, didn't have luggage or anything, and was really down and opened the drawer and there was a Gideon Bible. And he said, you can't believe what it meant to me to be able to get into the word. It completely calmed me down. Isn't that cool? God's word, it can change a life. It can lift up and it can uh, build up and it's just so important. And I want to thank you again that we had this opportunity. Isn't it cool, though, that I get to bring my own testimony with me? I mean, she does much better than I could ever tell the story because it's her story. And like she said, you have a testimony. Mine is Father's Day 1995. I, she was going to these tent meetings at this little bitty church out in the country in Eatonton, Georgia, and I didn't want to go. One night I went, and I thought, these people are crazy. They're dancing and singing and praising and going on. It was about three-hour service, and, you know, sawdust and a tent. I thought, what is this? I went to that church that Sunday morning. It was Father's Day. The pastor had all the fathers stand up. So I stood, and he's quoting scripture for us to repeat. So it's coming in, and it's going out. It's coming in. And I'm actually doing this. I'm thinking, these people don't have a clue who I am. But I'm repeating all this. This little bitty church, I'm there Sunday morning. I don't even know why I went there. That evening, I said to Cheryl, let's go tonight. I said to her, let's go. Go back to that church that Sunday night. Adam, I don't know if I walked or flew or floated or how, but I ended up at the altar of that church, Father's Day, 1995. And all of that, we'll call it crud, that stuff just came out of me changed my life and it all started with a little green bible that my my little lovey was thumping on all the time we'd get in an argument and she'd say let's pray i'd say what <laughs> that doesn't work well it did let's pray father we stop now and thank you we stop and look to you lord and we stop and we listen to you father and we thank you for who you are for what you have done for each and every one of us. I pray for this church to be a beacon of light to this community. To think that this church was established in 1850, Lord, and it's still going today. And there are people here this morning who have a testimony to share. And I pray that they would be more excited than ever to share the good news of Jesus Christ as they go from here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.